We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, Garen, we got a question here. With defensive ends getting lean and fast, do you see the offensive tackle position evolving to match, i.e. Bama's tackles were huge, 330, 350-plus, and they were getting worked by lean athletic defensive ends and rushing linebackers? Um, Yeah, I mean, to, yeah, I, I don't – I think that's more of a Bama problem, not a big boy problem. Uh, yeah, I, so I think it's a little bit different. I don't, I don't know that I would say that's because they're big. I think that's because they're slow footed. Yeah. You know, I mean, Charles Jagasol's big and he easily handled those speed rushers that, that they were throwing at him the other day. Right. So yeah, I, I think it's more of a foot quickness thing than a big thing. So, but so to a degree, kind of what you're saying is there is something to that in that, yes, that offensive tackles are going to need to be able to better handle speed and lever and play with good leverage and things along those lines. Yes. But at the same time, there's also the counter of it depends on what kind of offense you're trying to play too. Right. Because if you are a team that is okay, like Stanford did this, this is what worked so well for Stanford when Jim Harbaugh took over. Everybody was so focused on just speed, speed, speed. Everybody in the league was trying to get faster and faster and faster. And Jim Harbaugh said, okay, fine. We can't match those teams in speed. But what we can do is we can get big and we can beat the crap out of them. Right. We can bludgeon them. Right. So if everybody else is getting smaller and faster and you say, hey, we're going to get big, but you got to have the system that fits it. And the problem for Bama is those big guys don't move people. Like they were so physical against Georgia. And then they come out against Michigan and it's just – like what you realize is the Georgia game was an anomaly. Right. Right. That's why they shouldn't have been in the playoff to begin with. There was no SEC team that was among the four best in the country this year, in my opinion. Georgia could have been, but then they lost to Bama. Right. And and their schedule wasn't good enough to be there, in my opinion. But I think there was more of just a, a foot speed issue than necessarily size, because I think Charles Chagasol would have had had no issue handling speed. And his technique needs to get better, but he can handle speed. Kirby Lambert can handle that speed. I just think the kids from Bama played bad. I think they had a bad yeah. game. Right. You know, that's, that's, that's kind of where it is for me. Yep. I agree. 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Gideon says, Jeremiah Smith is one of the best wide receiver recruits since. I love Cam Williams and Ryan Williams. Cam Coleman are dogs, but Smith just moves different. No, I mean, he's the number one receiver in the class. I don't know. Best since. I haven't thought about it. I have no idea. I mean, he's definitely the best receiver in this class. There's no question. He's a 25. Talented. Yeah, 24. 24. 24. He'll be an incoming freshman at Ohio State this year. He's very, gotcha. very good. Very, gotcha, very gotcha. good. Gideon has another one. Do you think that Michigan's secondary can hold up against Washington's pass attack? They can. I don't know that they will. It's like with anything. It just depends on how the game plays out on set on Monday. I mean, look, guys, we've seen this before, right? Georgia goes out and plays Auburn in 2017. Auburn kicks the crap out of them, 41-17. Yeah. to 17. They play each other again like a month later, and you know they kick the crap out of Auburn by twenty-one. We saw twenty twenty-one Georgia and Alabama playing the national in this SEC title game. Georgia gets worked by Bama, just gets worked. They come out again a month later and play for the national championship, and Georgia wins. It just depends on how this particular game pans out. Now. If Washington has a good plan and their guys play well and all that type of stuff, then sure, yeah, they can make a lot of plays. I think their receivers are better than Michigan's DBs. If you want to say Will Johnson against whoever he's guarding is a wash, that's fair. But Josh Wallace and Mike Sainstrill, those are good players, but they're not as good as Jalen Polk and Jalen McMillan, in my opinion. Plus, you have the linebackers matched up against their tight end and running backs, which is part of what makes Washington so dang good. It's just not just stopping one or two guys. You've got 3,000-yard receivers on that offense. Polk and Odunze did it this year. McMillan and Odunze did it last year. McMillan just was injured a chunk of this year. And that's why he didn't have 1,000 yards. So uh, can they match up? Sure, they can. It's going to all depend on the pass rush. If Michigan can't get a good pass rush, then no, they can't. I mean, nobody really can. N Notre Dame's guys, if, if Michael Penix sit back in the pocket for four or five seconds – Notre Dame's guys are going to give up yards and give up plays. Sure. They're just going to against this receiving core. It's going to come down to the pass rush. If the pass rush can be consistently effective, make Penix get rid of the ball quickly, make him go to his first read, second read, get the ball out quick, catch the ball at six, seven, eight, nine yards, and then just rally to the football, that's how you stop Washington. That's what Oregon State did, right? They just pressured Penix all game long. And, of course, well, the bad weather helped. And that, that was game too. That was Michigan's game plan against Alabama was just right. bring pressure, bring pressure, bring pressure. Right. So we know they can do it. And we but know if they, it doesn't you know. work, 
they'll right. gash you. Yeah, exactly. That's the key. That is absolutely That's the, the key. key. And I hate to say it, but I feel like after watching the first round, Washington's going to be ready for that particular plan. But yeah. we'll see what happens. Yep. Just real quick, T. Smith was asking about you know dark horses for next season. I'm not prepared to 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 go into that yet. I still need to go see who everyone landed. Like I, there's still some guys to decide, and I don't know exactly who everyone landed in the portal. We will have some of those conversations this offseason for sure. Uh, but I'm just not. I'm not. I wouldn't be able to give you a very good answer right now, to be honest with you. I really wouldn't. Other than I think the portal was very good for Notre Dame. Yes, it was. 99 problems, but BK ain't one. If you had a wing sauce named after Brian Kelly, what would it be called, and what would the flavor be? I don't know what it'd be called, but it'd be very bitter <laughs> and sour. That's what it'd be. Uh, How about this? It would be it'd be uh, Brian's hot mess sauce. How about that? I like that. I was gonna say yeah. I wanted to come up with something uh, like uh, that had the word purple in it. Um, yeah, like you know the the the. I don't know. I, I'd have to sit here and think about it, but yes, I agree with the bitterness. I was going to say that exact same thing, uh, but it would have to be something like uh, BK's purple sauce or BK's yeah. something like you purple know, something family like recipe. Yeah, family, something. and you spell family, family yeah, like family. family thing. Yeah, yeah. There you the go, purple family. Yeah, yep. absolutely. That's a good question. Though. That's fun. I like that. BK's hot mess. That's what I would call yeah, it. I like that. That's pretty. That's that's pretty good. And be bitter and sour. Yeah. Uh, USMA87, did you happen to catch the OU Bowl game? The commentators were fawning all over Jackson Arnold. They were ready to give him the 25 Heisman. I mean, I, I will give you guys a little trick, uh, a little helpful tool for you to use when you're watching games. <laughs> and I do this all the time. Uh, it helps with my calm and enjoyment yeah. of watching games. Let's turn the sound off and I'll have music playing or I'll have something else in the background playing. But I just don't listen to most of these guys. Like I, I was watching the Notre Dame game on, cause I haven't watched the TV copy yet of the Notre Dame Morgan state game. Don't. I just pulled it up and I listened to like one series and I got to the point where, where um, what's his name? Gary Danielson says, talks about Jeremiah love is a, I'm like, you guys are exaggerating. And he flat out said he's a physical back lacks breakaway speed. And I was like, down. Which is, I mean, I actually like Brad Nessler as a as a commentator. I think he does a pretty good job. But it was they were so it was so obvious they were unprepared for that game, just completely unprepared for that game. And I was like, eh, this is why I don't listen to it. And I turn it off. So it's just it saves you way yeah. more. It's amazing how when people will watch a game without the sand sound on, how the things they want to talk about are completely different than people that when they listen to the game, because people even subconsciously allow themselves to be driven by the narratives that are being created by the play-by-play -play announcer guys. It's just human nature. When you, something is being discussed the whole game, that's what you're going to want to talk about afterwards in a lot of instances. Yep. You know, so I just, uh, I just, NH says it perfectly. She said, didn't even hear that, that my TV was already muted. Smart. <laughs> yeah, it was bad, dude. Smart. It was it was not like it was embarrassing. They were talking yeah. more about their golf game than they were about. I mean, they, yeah. they, they, they did not do their homework. I'll just say that. And it, it was it, it felt very unprofessional, yeah. uh, not even ignorant, just unprofessional. Like Unprepared, were, man. That's yes. What, yeah. They were just mispronouncing yeah. names and they were there. There was just a lot like the schools give you pronunciation guides like. Right. You, come on, man. Like you guys are pro like that used to be a pretty good duo. 
But it they completely phoned that in. They completely <clears throat> well, it was it was Gary Danson and Vern Lundquist for a long time. Yes, right, true. Yeah, um, Vern would carry those broadcasts though. Like I even remember listening to Gary Danson in the Sun Bowl in 2010, and I'm like, uh, no. <laughs> like the it. yeah, just no. Yeah, it was just bad. It yeah. was just really, 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 really bad. Yep. So, it is what yep. it is. Yeah, it was not good. I did see Heisman odds for next year someplace, somewhere. And um, Dylan Gabriel was up there very high. Uh, Riley Leonard was like outside the top 10, by the way. So there you go. (laughs) Whatevs. I know. It's just fantastic. The only only one that I'll definitely listen to is, is when it's Gus and Joel Klatt. That's the only one that I'll definitely listen to. But even like I thought they were a little annoying in the Michigan Ohio State game. They were incredibly annoying yeah. in the Michigan Ohio. Like yeah. they dropped, like I completely agree with you. Like after the Wisconsin game, you know, last year, and like they were way up for me. And then after the Michigan Ohio State hey, game, they they everybody dropped everybody peg, has man. bad games, man. Everybody. <laughs> Us, them, players. Yeah. I mean, it's just part You're of the right. deal. Like You're yeah, right. somebody just said the Maserati Marv oh. thing was just like, okay, guys, let it go. So bad. Let like, it go. Yes. It's yes. so bad. Let it go. It became a shtick. Like the yes. their broadcast went. It from, wasn't as genuine as what yes. he normally does, in my exactly. Opinion. It it felt very shtickish, which I did not yeah. like at all. Uh like yep. don't just don't don't be that guy and you'll be fine. Just stay passionate, stay excited, you know, that whole thing. Like I've always felt that they were very genuine. I thought that. Joel was also knowledgeable and could speak in knowledgeable terms about what he was seeing. And I appreciate didn't always have to agree with him, but I at least appreciated what he was saying. And, and uh, it was very genuine from a play-by-play standpoint, as far as excitement. And it just felt that particular broadcast, it felt like caricatures of themselves. Yeah. I'll I'll say that. And you're right. Everybody has a bad game. So they're still up there for me. It's just, that one was a hard one to take in. Agree. Uh, I think, can you go back to the other one? I don't think I read that one. Oh, shoot. Um, I'll go okay. try and find it. It's okay. It started with 11 and one. That's the only thing I saw. Okay. Uh, we had think, it up so long that I just yeah. completely forgot that we hadn't <laughs> actually not, got to it yet, that's my but I'll bad. be able to find it pretty quick. Okay. Uh, link says we saw what Denbrock did with Daniels. What in the world could he do with night? My mouth is watering. Got well, I mean, p- part of happened. it is, I mean, look, let, let's not forget the fact that, one of the things that helped them with Daniels is he was, he was, I mean, he was a fifth year right. guy. He had started right. for five years. Right. Deuce Knight's not going to have that opportunity ever. No, because, one, no one ever will again. Right. Start for a full five right. years. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're just, you're not going to, and you know, barring another COVID type situation, right. you know what I mean? Um, so it's just, it's a different animal to your point. However, because you can't ignore the fact that the breakout happened in his fifth season as a starter. Sure. But to your point, if it was only that, then I'd, I'd be a little bit more willing to poo-poo it. Right. The reason that I'm not going to poo-poo it is because we've seen him have a lot of success with similar type of quarterbacks at other places. Desmond Ritter, they had two really good years together at Cincinnati. Deshaun Kaiser, Everett Golson, who's more of a throw-first mobile guy before that season fell apart that 2014 offense was fun to watch until the collapse at the end of the year so uh, yeah i mean it's it's 
it's for me, yeah, Deuce Knight, but I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do with Kenny Minchie and what he can do with CJ Carr. I mean, because it's not just those type of quarterbacks. I mean, Mike Dembrock can have success with a guy that can sit back in the pocket as well. It just, I just always feel if you can get that kind of dynamic one two punch, then you're going to be in a good place. Yeah. You're going to be in a good place. The question basically, Vince, was, and I, and I couldn't find, the question okay the question was basically the concern that in an 11 and 1 notre dame it could get dicey for a 12 team playoff if there's like some sort of eight and four conference champion that pulls an upset but here's the reason that's not really relevant anymore because number one you don't have the divisions you used to have right where remember right. a couple of years ago pitt played clemson in the acc title game pitt was seven and five they lost right. the acc title game and then the bowl game and finished seven and seven, but they won their division. Yeah, sure. If they would have pulled off the upset, but you don't have divisions like that anymore. Right. So it's gonna like be the right, two best yeah, team. Yeah. Right now in the ACC, it's impossible for a seven and five team to play for the title unless literally the everyone is seven and five and worse. Right. In the league, except for the Which team. Which would be tough number to one. happen. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so and but that would just be one. The only like eleven and one Notre Dame, the odds of an eleven and one Notre Dame being ranked. 11th is pretty slim yeah i agreed like most likely they're at least 10 to 7 at the very least so 10 and 2 notre dame could maybe fall into that yes. situation where right, right. they're at 11 and some upset happens in the title game that and they're already down because you know you've got the group of five team or they're at 12 you know and there's some upset or they're at 11 and then the You've got to have the power five team or the group of five team, and then there's some upset that gets a team, and that kind of knocks them down. Sure, that could happen. But the odds of that happening anymore are slim because right. of the fact that there's not the divisions they used to have. Because like a lot I think, of – I think the SEC is going to kind of a pod schedule, but I don't even know if that pod schedule is necessarily – it's a schedule, but is it going to be the divisions? I don't I don't know the answer no, to that. I don't so, think so. I don't like, think so. I don't know like what the Big yeah. Ten is going to do, but you're just not going to see that that because of the way that they've they've changed the conferences and, and gotten rid of like the Big 12, I don't think is going to have divisions. You're just not going to have that potential for an eight and four team. But that only hurts Notre Dame if they're 10 and two. Right. I don't agreed. see how an 11 and one Notre Dame team is lower than 10th. Right. <clears throat> Completely agree with that. Have part. to be lower than 10th to have that happen because you'd have the group of five being right. one of the 12 if they're not already in the 12. And then you'd have that eight and four team that would get some sort of automatic bid. Right. I just don't think that hurts an eleven and one Notre Dame team. It could hurt a ten and two Notre Dame team, but not yes. eleven and one Notre Dame. Because you figure with the way the these these quote unquote super conferences, we'll just call about the four of them, right? The the four major conferences, for the most part, if it's the top two teams in each conference that are facing off in the in the college or in the uh, mm -hmm. conference championship, most often than not, all both of those teams are going to be in the top ten. Yeah, I mean they just are, and so. The team that loses could potentially fall out, but that's not going to affect Notre Dame. And the team that wins will be where they were. So right. it, you're, it's not going to be, yeah, the 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 major juxtaposition of the eight and four team knocking off a potential 12 and 0 team. Right. And then that being a problem. And they right? both get in. Right, right. Exactly. So you're you're going to be looking at two top 10 teams, I think, across the board. For, I mean, within reason, but you're going to be looking at two top teams. Whereas the winner's going to get in, the loser may still get in, but he may fall out of the fall out completely, right. uh, depending on how you know where they're at and and whatnot. So yeah, I, ten and two because you and I had this conversation, Brian, and we will continue to have this conversation. I'm guessing in the off season, 
uh, about 10 and two versus 11 and one and where that places Notre Dame, right? Like some years, 10 and two, they're solidly in that top 11. Some years, it's going to be a little dicey as to whether they're going to be in that top 11. Mm -hmm. It just depends on everything else that's going on around them. Like this year, 10 and two gets them into the new year six, which is a top 12, top 11 ranking. Mm -hmm. Another year that may not have been the case. 11 and one will always be the case. They will always be in that top 10 always. Mm -hmm. So maybe even as high as five, right? Cause they can't be one through four, depending on how, what that loss is, what else is going on around them. They could be fifth with 11, mm -hmm. an 11 and one uh, record. So um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be fun, man. I, I did. There was somebody just brought this up. I think this is great. This is really good. Barrett Sally, Ohio State going from – oh, sorry. D-Rock yeah. is the one that put this in. He's quoting Barrett Sally. Who's an okay. ESPN guy that covers okay. the SEC. Yeah. Says, Ohio State going from Kyle McCord to Will Howard is kind of like choosing a Chipotle burrito over a Moe's burrito. It's fresh, but it's essentially the same thing. Yeah. So I, I think it's hilarious the point that he made. I think Moe's burrito and Chipotle burritos are not – the same thing i'm not a big fan of mo's burritos maybe it's just the one here uh was bad but it was really dry if you wanted to say like chipotle burrito and a Kidoba burrito maybe we could have a conversation there but the point he's making is freaking hilarious and very on point you're basically going and i'll use the analogy i think makes more sense you're going from a chipotle burrito to a Kidoba burrito which i would say slightly better but basically the same thing right i mean so i thought that was hilarious and brady quinn was like erroneous because apparently Brady <laughs> thinks one of the burritos is better than the other, but uh, yeah, I was I thought that was a great point. Yeah, I mean it's it's it, it is very it's kind of similar. Yeah, yeah, it's very kind of similar. It really is. This is a good USM right here. A eighty seven says, "How should the NCAA solve the issue with defensive subs slow walking?" I think both sides need a sub by X time on the play clock. Well, part of this is smart. Co it's smart coaching by defensive coaches, but I hate it. Right. And exactly. so, me, there's two things. You, number one, if you don't want to get called for delay a game because the other team slow walks their D lineman off the field, then don't substitute don't sub. less than 10 seconds late. So, yeah, I like exactly. this first thought process, which is hey, you can't sub within 15 seconds of the play clock or 20 or whatever. If you don't know what your sub is going to be right away, then you shouldn't be subbing, right? And so defensive coordinators are stuck in this situation where offenses are in these late substitutions and they have to hustle off the field and get line. They can't get their calls. And that's, that's, there's a reason offenses do that. It's to gain an advantage. Sure. And mo, and mo, so, Hey, you know what? Slow walk it off. Smart, smart coaching. I think it's ridiculous though. It's like, come on, get your freaking big butt off the field. You know what I mean? Like there's this little, so to me, make a timeline. You, you can't substitute with less than 15 seconds. When you sub, guy comes on the field, the guy going off needs to go off at a reasonable pace. Otherwise, you're going to call for delay a game. Right. So if you if it takes you 15 seconds to get off the field, then we're calling delay a game, but it's going to be on the defense, not the offense. They have to delay right. a game on defenses. If you're, like, barking out signals or if you're trying to, you know, do things to impact the center, if you're yelling, like, cadence right. calls at linebacker, you get called for delay a game, essentially. So I, I I agree. I like his I like where he's coming from. You can't sub within X number of time and then you pretty much fix it. But within that, the defense needs to you need to hustle off, 
right? I mean, you can tell when a guy's jogging oh. off at a normal pace and when a guy's doing the slow crawl off sure. the field. Get off and, and, and rest. Hustle up. And if he doesn't move, then flag him. Flag him. Yep. You know what I mean? Pick it up. Pick up the pace. You get a warning. You know you what I mean? Immediately or... hustle off the field. Right. I, I like that. That's actually good, Vince. Give him a you warning. Get one warning. Hey, yeah. coach, next time you do this, they need to hustle off the field. Right. And then right. the next time they try that, hustle up. They don't, you flag them. Just like a sideline warning. Like you yep. get a flag and it's a warning and there's yep. no penalty, but hey, right. we're keeping our eye on you. Right. You know, I'd I be okay it. with that. I dig it. Yeah, I dig it. That's good. I like that. Brandon Plentzner, how would you rate Mike Elston's coaching job since he's been at Michigan coaching-wise? He seems to be doing excellent. Recruiting still hasn't taken a jump, in my opinion. I think he's done a great job. Great job coaching. I mean, yeah, recruiting is just – that's that's just he hasn't done a great job at Michigan. But that's the whole staff. They have not taken advantage recruiting-wise of having three straight playoff teams, which right. is wild. But as far as like I'll say, like I said this to you, Vince, the talent on this Michigan team, especially in the D line, is not what it was two years ago. The first year they made the playoff, the twenty one. Like there's no Aiden Hutchinson on this team. Now look, it's good. Chris Jenkins is a good football player. Mason Graham's a good football player. But they don't have two top ten picks like they had a couple years ago. Okay. And they're still getting great production. They play yeah. hard. They're smart. They're fundamentally sound. They're a lot like the guy the Lions were at Notre Dame under sure. Mike Elston. And so I think he's doing a great job coaching. But to your point, Brandon, the recruiting is not matched so far. It hasn't. It really hasn't. So, yeah, good good observation. Joseph DeJager, uh, do you think Br uh, Drake Bowen and Kingston Villiamo Asa can start at the same time, maybe even next year? It's possible. Sure. I, I think both of them could play Will. Yes. This is not a situation, in my opinion, Vince, where they're both pure mics and you can't play them together. Sure. And if you do, you got two mics on the field. No, right. that's not <laughs> ideal. <laughs> right. right. Unless the two mics are like a J.D. Bertrand, athletic, you know, that. Right. Like, you don't want two pure mics on the field. You just don't. Right. Like, part of what made the linebacking core in 2018 so good is because Tavon was a pure mic. He was a tackle to tackle guy. He did not have range. Drew Tranquil had all types of range, they fit really well together. They were a good duo. You don't want two pure mics. I don't think Kingston and Drake are pure mics. And I mean that in a complimentary fashion, meaning they can play together. One could go play Will, just easily sure. can play Mike. Which one that is, I don't know the answer to that, but I don't think it matters. It's like whoever fits best at the Mike right. position and Will position. But, yes, I could certainly see those two guys playing side by side. But I'm not writing off Jaden Osbury, who, who was my number one defensive player in last year's class. I'm not writing off, you know, Preston Zinner. Yeah, Jalen Steen. There's a lot of guys that – like this thought that Kings is just going to come in and take a starting job, maybe because he's really talented. But there's a lot of other really talented guys. And right. and so it's going to be harder for Kingston to win that kind of job where maybe two, three years ago it would have been much easier for him to come in and play as a freshman. Sure. Um, but uh, but he's, he's talented enough to do it, and he's smart enough to do it, and he's tough enough to do it. Those are the things. It's like it's one thing to be athletic, and he's a good athlete, but he's super instinctive, he's super smart, and he's physical. Those are all things that you – and he's got some weight to him already at 225, 230. And those are all things that you need. And and the competition he played against in high school helps as well. Sure. Like, you shouldn't punish a guy that plays against bad competition, but you also can't ignore the fact that when Kingston is – when you look at who he's – he's playing against teams with a lot of college players on it all the time and playing all over the country. I mean, I traveled out to Ohio for a game, I believe, this year. Or was it Mer D.C. or something? 
Wow. You know what I mean? So, uh, in a nationally televised game. So that helps. I mean, he's played modern day multiple times. I mean, that, that helps him with the, with the adjustment as well. For sure. Irishman7114 is Hulak being counted as a linebacker? Because I've heard that Notre Dame is still recruiting three defensive linemen, Burgess, Shanklin, and Jarquez Carter. And I don't see room for seven defensive linemen in 25. Well, number one, I think that they can have room for that because essentially they're recruiting five positions. To your point, Irishman, he's not really a linebacker. He's not really a defensive lineman. They're recruiting him as a hybrid guy to kind of do a little bit of everything. So it's a little bit of a different deal. So it, it has to kind of be considered a fifth position, to be honest with you. So it's seven guys for five positions. So, But even if you count him as a, as a, as a defensive lineman, I, I do think – when you look at the the roster the next year, I think there's merit to six, seven guys coming in. If it's the right six or seven, that's the key, right? Because you've got yet a four-man class last year, and then you look at some of the – pat. I mean, you look at just who they're going to lose. They're going to lose Howard Cross after next year. They're going to lose Riley Mills after next year. They're only going to have one more additional year of Jason Onye and Gabriel Rubio, maybe. They're going to lose R.J. Oban after next year. They're, lo they're losing Jordan Patojo after next year. When the 25 class shows up, Josh Burnham will be a senior. If he's as good as I think he is, he may not be a fifth-year guy. you know. And, and so you've got a lot of guys that by the time this 25 class shows up, a lot of these guys are either going to be gone or in their last year, right? and you don't necessarily want to be replacing departed guys with true freshmen. So I, I think the fact that there's enough positional flexibility in that whole group uh, leaves that and then also you you've left yourself room in case somebody flips you're still in a great place that's the other part of it but i think you can make a case for they'll be fine with seven especially with one of those seven being a hybrid guy but the, the other part of it too is what i love about this is yeah they've got players they really like but those are three really good football players and notre dame's not like well sorry we can't take you we've already got numbers <laughs> they're just keep recruiting really good football players like they don't need another running back in the 25 class Still recruiting James Simon. Why? It's too good not to recruit. You just you can't say no to a kid like that. You know, and, and I love that mindset. Love that mindset. Coach Koch, uh, how is the scholarship, or I might be Coke. Uh, how is the scholarship situ situation looking? If you had to guess, how many will transfer out in the spring? Well, at least five. Yeah, I mean, so so well de depends. So right now. I'm pulling up the scholarship chart, which is found at Irish Breakdown. You can see it on the board. Yep, got it right here. And it, they are at 88 right now. I anticipate them getting at least one more portal guy, and I anticipate them giving a scholarship to one player who's currently not on scholarship. And my guess would be Luke Talich. That's my prediction. So you kind of, I kind of look at it like 90. Yep. So there needs to be at least five guys out by, and they don't have to leave by the spring. Right. They, they have, have to, to leave, leave by, by game one. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, Monday you, by the first, Monday of the first game, you need to have your down situation down eighty five. They'll know it going into fall practice, most likely, but technically, they don't need it until that game one week. Yeah, and there there could be somebody that goes on medical. There's going to sure. be guys leave after the spring. It's just part of the business. Absolutely, that's why there's another portal opening because right. there's going to be kids that come. They, hey, and and I respect those kids. Hey, I want to battle the spring. Yeah, and if it doesn't work out for me, then I'll leave. Sure, and there's some kids that are staying. Honestly to get their degrees. Yeah. But, and I'm not going to okay. say those players are, but I mean, there's three or four right now. You're like, yeah, I don't anticipate that guy being on the roster next year. Right. 
Right. It, getting out 85 now won't be an issue now that they, because they've already lost a bunch of guys that had to lose, but it, it won't be an issue to get down to that. You know, and, and the funny thing is, Brian, it never is. No, right. it's not. It, it always but works itself out. They're so much out. closer to 85 now than they've ever been. I love the fact that every year we're like, man, there's like five to eight spots that got to open up. I'd much rather be there yeah. than by the time you get to spring ball, you're like, which walk-ons are we going to be giving scholarships to this year? Because we're already under 85. Right, right. I'd much rather be I mean, It's always there. nice to give a scholarship to a walk-on. Don't love get that. me wrong. Like, yeah. It's fantastic. But that needs to be happening in fall right. camp. Absolutely. Not January. Right. You know, because you're already at 79. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, seriously. That's not really, really where you want to be. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, another one from Coach. She says, I think the Army-Notre Dame rivalry should be renewed. Rich history there. What are your preferred rivalries for Notre Dame past and current? So, so I do not want to see a continuation of that rivalry with any consistency. I would say in every 10 years, if they played Army twice, that's enough for me. I just don't love the idea of playing two option teams a year, right. which they're going to next year with right. any kind of consistency. Uh, just not really where I want to be. Although I do respect the, the the nature of that, but that rivalry is ancient. It wasn't as so, it wasn't like the Navy one. Like they played right. each other back in like the forties and stuff like that. But in my lifetime, that's never been a rivalry. Right. They've had <clears> some game. They've played Army. That was I one. Remember the, the game was a Deke Cooper that had that big hit near the goal line against Army. To, to preserve one of those wins, the Army was, rivalry was more like the twenties, like well, that. You well, know, the forties was yeah, because Army was great back in the forties. Uh, you know, but like Army football has was way better than Navy, like way better than Navy back in the day. Correct. I'm looking at it now. They've got they won the national title and to to them now. Of course, Notre Dame won it one of those years, but in 44, 45, and forty six, they won national title. You know, again during the the war, end of the war. Right. So, but uh, that's not one for me. Obviously, I've said this before. I, I'd want to have Michigan or Michigan State or Purdue on the schedule. Michigan State's the one I prefer more. I have more respect for that rivalry than, but Purdue would be one that would, yep. I would strongly consider. And I've said before, if you want to go like two, 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 and two with Purdue and Michigan State, you know, two on, two off, two on, two off. And then the years that the one is off, you've got the other one on. Cause, you know, then that helps them. Cause you, you know, you, it's going to be harder for the Big Ten teams to have a bunch of right, you know, out of conference rivalries and things like that. And sure, I'm I'm okay with that. Those are two that I really respect. Obviously, the USC rivalry is a big one. I, I I know that I'm in the minority here. I don't care about the Michigan rivalry. I've never cared about the Michigan rivalry. I hate Michigan. I, there's no res, there's always a rivalry should always have some level of healthy respect. Yep. And I don't like USC, but I have a healthy respect for USC. I have zero respect for Michigan at all, and for so many reasons. Yep. And um, and I'm not even Catholic and for some of those reasons. You know what I mean? So I just don't care about that one. I've said this before. I would love to have a rivalry against Tennessee. Would love to have a rivalry against Tennessee. I think that'd be a great rivalry. It doesn't have to be every year, but it'd be nice to have one. I would, I, I've, I've always been very partial to the Miami rivalry. I would love to see that come back with a little bit more regularity, to be honest with you. That's one I really like. It doesn't have to be every year, but in 10 years, you should play each other six times. That that would you know or you know four and four or four two off four two off four two off, I'd be cool with that. Like that'd be a good one. Those are the only ones that I really care about. Specific teams rivalries. That's that's kind of the only one. You know, like somebody said, you know, play start playing some Big Twelve teams. That's fine. I'm I'm, I'm fine with that. But I don't want like there's no Big Twelve teams I want to play all the time. 
Right. They do a home and home with Cincinnati, home and home with West Virginia, home and home with Arizona, home and home with TCU. Just like they would with any conference. Sure. Like that's sure. that's sure. fine. I, I don't want to. De- I don't yeah. need to develop a rivalry with anybody in the Big Twelve. Yeah. Doesn't but it, now a relationship with the Big Twelve, sure. I support. Where you know we'll, we'll get we'll rotate home and homes. You know, I actually I'd go home and home neutral site, home and home neutral site, home and home neutral site. So some of those teams you don't necessarily want to play twice. I don't want to see Notre Dame go to Lubbock, Texas. Right. I could care. I could not care less about watching Notre Dame play at Texas Tech. So okay, that they're one of those ones where in the third year we play a neutral site game. We'll play them in Dallas, and then do home and homes with TCU, home and homes with Arizona, home and homes with Arizona State, home and homes with Colorado, Utah. And there's some that I would like to see that, but like some of them I just don't. I don't care about Notre Dame ever playing in Lubbock, Texas. I don't care about ever playing in Ames, Iowa. Isn't that where Iowa State is? Ames. Mm-hmm. I don't care about playing against Iowa State. I do not make that a one-time neutral site game, and then make the home and homes more with more traditional teams, ones that there's some history with. West Virginia, some history there. You know, played for a championship against each other. That's more of what I would like to see. You know, like I don't, I don't really care about going to Manhattan, Kansas. But you know what? That's a decent program. All right, cool. Do there, do that once every. 10 or 15 years. All right, cool. But like, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at on those events. That's where I'm at. I, on those. I wouldn't mind seeing Notre Dame pick up like Texas as a rival. I think that would, well, be... they're not a big 12 anymore. No, I know that. Oh, I'm, gotcha. gotcha. I'm just, just saying, okay, my bad. Yeah. My bad. Yeah. 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 I big 12 doesn't do a whole lot for me if I'm being honest, but I understand where you're coming from. I have no well, problem but it's, for me. It's more of the recruiting, right? That's you what I'm saying. Get, you want to get in right, that I get state. That more you know air because it's not just texas like to, to yours on tech but it's also getting into arizona sure you know getting out west that kind of thing right right uh i have no problem with that part like i think you should have as notre dame as an independent they need to have a relationship with all four of the power conferences in my opinion and then they can just pick and choose which ones they go to and just get a nice model going and and be notre dame and and play all over the country like i have no problem with that part um you know so that that that's just fine i have no problem with that as far as from a rivalry standpoint uh obviously usc is the biggest one for me that's the one i love the most um is the usc rivalry i'm with you on michigan i that's more of a hatred i wouldn't mind if they never played michigan again that that would not bother me in any way shape or form if they never played them again i have always been right with you with michigan state and purdue um I, I'm, I'm about 50-50 between the two of them. I find them to be very similar, but they have more history, I guess, with Michigan State from a you know the 66 game and things like that. But there's a lot of history Plus with Purdue Michigan State was a team well. that had their back when sure. they were trying yes. to get to the Big Ten. This is true. There's is some true. of that loyalty for me right. involved right. in that, where when Michigan was fighting against them, Michigan State right. was one of the teams that said, hey, we need to be bringing these guys in. Yeah. And that matters to me. And I, I will always pound – fist on the table for Navy. I think they should yeah. play Navy every year. And that why I will never change my mind about that, no matter the circumstances. So, you know, as far as developing new ones, like I said, Texas, um, I could see Tennessee. I have no problem with that. I think that would be a fun one to be honest with you. Um, I mean, that's two in the sec, right? Uh, and then you've got USC in the big 10, you've got, uh, you know, Michigan state and Purdue in the big 10. And then, you know, the ACC, okay, you know you already what? Have your, you already have your ACC. You got your ACC you know, group. Yeah. So, like, I, I think Clemson is developing into a bit of a rivalry, and I'm okay with that. I, don't want, I wouldn't want that to be a – part of what makes the, the Clemson rivalry good to me is they don't play each other all the time. Sure, 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 sure. 
but it, it's a rival. I feel like it's yeah, a rival it's now. A good, yes. Um, and I do like it that they don't play. Like I don't just because they're your rival yeah. doesn't mean you have to play them every year. Correct. I will say that. Correct. I will say the only team I want to play every there's just only two teams I want to play every year. It's USC and it's Navy. That's it. That is mm-hmm. all. I don't want to play anybody else every year. I don't. Um, but you can have rivalries with teams that you don't play every year, and that's yeah. okay too. And I think that's the bucket that Clemson. Like I said about play. Miami, give yeah. me four on, two off. Yeah. four on, two off. I'd be fine with on. that. Yeah, yeah, I'd be totally. And that's fine how I feel that. about Tennessee. I don't want to play Tennessee every single right. year. Yep. You know, maybe yep. four on, four off, four on, four. You know, something like that. Yep. I'm with you on that. I'm cool with that too. So yep. that's where I'm at. Yeah, we're, we're. I think we're on the same page there. Yep. I think we should just take over scheduling. I agree. I agree mean, completely. Be done so fast. All right, Beezer 12, washing beard. What are some overhauls you think Mike Denbrock will bring to the Notre Dame offense? Anything we haven't seen at Notre Dame before? Well, it's going to be kind of hard for it to be like that because he's been here before. Correct. But well, overhaul is a big word. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it's look, it's not going to be this huge change going to Mike Denbrock's system. There's going to be tweaks. There's going to be things he likes more than other coaches liked. Sure. Uh, there's going to be concepts he likes. I think we're going to see the deep ball get thrown more into Mike Denbrock. I mean, that's just something Mike Denbrock likes to do is throw the go ball, which I'm happy about. I mean, look, the first pass play I put in in, in camp it, when I'm running things and it's my choice, it's four verts. That's the first first concept we put in on day one of football, football, football camp is, is four verts. Then everything else is built around that because my whole thing is if you're running anything other than a, a – quick screen or a delay everything is going to look like a go route everything looks like a go route coming off the line and so that's why i put that in first and you got to be willing to throw the the outside go ball and you got to be willing to throw the seam routes if you're going to do that so i think we'll see more of that stuff and then you know you're going to see some other wrinkles you know they'll he'll run the same concepts that jared parker ran but he may like it out of different formations hey i like this one out of three by one where the other guy liked it out of two by two I mean, it's just, I like to run this concept play yeah. side, but I like this backside combination to complement it more often than not. It'll be things like that, but it won't be like, wow, I've never seen this before. Right. You know, it's right. just because like you can give two coaches the same playbook and one guy can score 45 points a game on it. The other guy's going to score 30 because one guy knows how to use it better. Sure. And it'll be more of that type of thing with Mike Dembrock than, oh, wow, he brought these concepts that we've never seen before. You know, we'll see more quarterback runs yep. with Mike Denbrock. Design quarterback runs. Yeah. And, you know, and just things yeah. that are built to more towards how they coach. But, like, hey, if this isn't there, don't be afraid to take off. Right, right. You know, stuff but, like we've, that as well. but we've seen design quarterback runs the last time Mike Denbrock was here. Correct. You know what I right. mean? So exactly. the, the part of anything we haven't seen in Notre Dame before, right. I don't think that – recently, sure. Yeah. But he's going to change some things based on personnel – and they didn't have a quarterback like Riley Leonard last year or the year before. And so you're going to see some differences just because of that. I think I think he will do a good job of tailoring his play calling and his offense based on his quarterback. And therefore, you will see some stuff that we haven't seen since X, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that will be part of it. I think that'll definitely be part of it. All right, getting kind of close to the end here. It's got a few more here to get to. All right, Peter says, who in the 24 recruiting class will be the first to start a game? If this was answered already, I apologize for the repeat. It has not been answered already. Yes, it has not. I'll say this, and this is going to shock you a little bit. My answer is Joseph Vinci. 
You see the long snapper? Yeah. I'm being serious about that. Like, I know you a are. Good long snapper, man. Oh, they—they they, he's and, the number one long snapper in the yeah. country, and they recruited him to come in and start. So yeah, Michael Vinson's the career's yeah. over now. He, yes. He's going to have to beat out a couple guys. Andrew Cross is a couple, a couple other guys, but yeah, he'll have a shot. They put him I'll on just, scholarship for a reason. Yeah. Okay. Who? The the long snapper. I don't he think he's scholarship? on scholarship. No, he's oh, not I thought he was on your sheet. Okay. Uh. Uh-uh. No. Uh. Now, as far as the position players and linemen and stuff like that, like non-specialists. First guy to start a game. I'd probably give it to one of the receivers just because I could see a scenario where, like, Cam's part of the rotation. And they come out and in a package hit, that he's in. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah. Uh, I could see something like that. But, for sure. you know, full-time starter, just like where you're the guy, Kingston, maybe. Yeah. I, you know, maybe. Because you got to look at the depth chart, too. Yeah. I mean, that's exactly. the other part. Like, this, we've been talking about how deep this team is. They're that because yeah. they are. Um, there's just not a lot of spots where a freshman's gonna be able to come in and yeah, you know, take over that starting. Exactly. Goal. Exactly. Good question though. W.O. Lewis, after Kyron Williams dropped the first quarter pass at Louisville, did either of you think he would be a Pro Bowl running back? Brother, I didn't think he'd be a Pro Bowl running back after he rushed for back to back thousand yard seasons at Notre Dame. Right. Right. Yeah, like, absolutely. So like, I'm so happy for that kid. Like, yeah, no doubt. No, I, I didn't see that. He, he just continues to just far outplay. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like, look, if anyone in the NFL thought he's going to be a, a Pro Bowl running back, they wouldn't have drafted him in the fifth round. If the St. Right. Louis Rams or no, the Los Angeles, are they Los Angeles Rams? Or uh, LA. Yeah. If the, if the Los Angeles Rams thought, Kyron Williams is going to be a Pro Bowl running back. They would not have waited till the fifth round of draft. Right. And they've got him like second, third, something like that. Right. So I love the fact that he just continues to do that. And I yeah. love the fact that he does it, you know, and just, I mean, just continues to surpass and expectations. That, and that's the key. He, he, like, I, I remember watching him in the blue gold game and thinking, oh, this guy's got some juice. I yeah. like this kid. You know what I mean? And then he drops that pass and he doesn't play again the rest of the year. It was ridiculous. He should have played more. Which was year. ridiculous. Agreed. He didn't. He, play, he did not play because he dropped that pass, though. The plan was always to redshirt him that year, and they just they could because you had the four red four game redshirt right. rule. But they right. were really banged up that Louisville game. Yeah, and that's why he played. And I, but even with that said, even me being a fan of his in the blue gold game, right? He still surpassed my expectations as the starting running back at Notre Dame. He did. Yeah. And and I thought he was really talented to begin with, and he still surpassed my expectations. Yeah. I then, had him I had him ranked really it. low in that class. That's fair. And knew pretty early on that like this kid's a lot better than I thought. Yeah. Yeah. Like you saw in like the first I mean, the first practice I remember watching run routes, and I'm like, this kid could literally start at slot receiver for Notre Dame. Right. Absolutely. And then you watch him running back and you're like, this kid's a better player than I thought. Like you just the first time I saw him practice, I was like, I undersold this kid. This kid's better. Now, I, like I said, I, I wasn't – after you watched him at Notre Dame, I'm not surprised he became a 1,000-yard runner. Sure. Like, that was yeah, easy to right. see very early. Right, My right, high right. school evaluation of him was off. But you saw immediately that he was going to be a really good back in Notre Dame. But yeah. he's still 5'9". He's still a 4'6". He's, you know what I mean? He's still not a real physically chus- – chus- I mean, he just doesn't look the part. But he just is a freaking really good football player. Yeah. You know, and and so no, I didn't see that come. Even as when you quickly, like you said, Vince, we saw him in fall camp, and you're like, yeah, this kid's really good. Or was it spring ball? I can't remember. But you, 
it's the first time you see him, like this kid's going to be a lot better. Than the I thought first time I remember game. seeing him was the yeah. Blue Goal game. Still don't remember. Still didn't yeah. view him as a future Pro Bowler. Right. Not. Not. I say this. Not as well. I. No. I could see him as a Pro Bowler because like they'll do like the third down back. You're right. Right. But not as a thousand plus yard rusher. That's one of the best running backs in the NFL right now. That I didn't see. That's just. Could yeah. I have seen him after his back to back thousand yard season being a Pro Bowler is like that. That all purpose type of player, sure, but not what he's become, man. He's so right. much better than I thought he was going to be. And I'm, those are the ones where I like being wrong. Yeah. Absolutely the ones. No like doubt. Cause he's a great kid too. Yeah. And, uh, and just, it easy to and he's for. earned everything he's gotten. No. And doubt did you see it. his mama ripping that football out from that? Oh, dude that was trying to think? great. That was awesome. That was fantastic. That was so great. That was awesome. So great. Yeah. Oh, I did enjoy that very much. Yep. So. Just your ordinary Joe. Best live game announcer moment was W. Well, there was a Wake Forest game. It Brian was actually Stanford game. Okay, Brian predicting the scoring on the block field goal. Yeah, remember? Yeah, it was pretty good. That was a Stanford game when Javante uh, ran it back. So yeah, yeah. The the Wake Forest game was that's that one. I got the I predicted the score correctly. Oh, I predicted forty five gotcha. seven. Stanford was the one where we were doing the live show. Yeah, and. Because we didn't do a live show for Wake Forest. No, we only did we one this year. Stanford. So, yeah. yeah, that was one of my better. We usually moments. do the last game of the season. That seems to be yeah. our thing now. Yep. Irishman seven one one four. I think we should have more of a national conversation about how we could theoretically have the number one team in the nation being the number five seed in the playoff. It's so dumb. It, Man, I, it is I get and it that. Isn't. I get where it's, you're coming from. Yeah, I'll let you do this one because you're the one that convinced. Because I had the same initial thought as he did. Yeah. I get where you're coming from, Irishman. I totally do. If if you know, obviously he's talking about Notre Dame. They're 12 and 0, and they get bumped down to a five seed. It's like, what are we doing? Right? Here's my pushback. And and I think this is what Jack Swarbrick was thinking when he agreed to this or came up with this or whatever, right? It's that Notre Dame is not in a conference. So therefore, they are not playing in a conference championship. So every team that is going to get a bye will have played 13 games. Notre Dame will have played 12. And so not getting a bye in the first round and playing the group of five team at home will be their 13th game, which I think we can all agree is a much easier 13th game than a conference championship game. And yet now you can say Notre Dame has the 13th data point when they face off against one of right. those top four teams in the next round. So yeah. it kind of evens out the playing field a little bit. And it's a succession given by Notre Dame. It's like, okay, look, we're not in a conference. We won't take the bye. We'll give that to conference champions. And we will voluntarily right. essentially take the five seed and take that extra game right. and then even things out. Because there's one less I'm opportunity okay for them to, yeah, there's one less opportunity for Notre Dame to lose compared to those other teams. Right. That's that's basically what it is. Yeah. So yeah, and you I'm okay sold me it. on that, Vince. You convinced me of that one during that show, that initial show. It makes yeah. a lot of sense. So I, right. I get look, you have the same initial thought I did. That's bull crap. If Notre Dame's the number one team, they should be the number one seed. Right. And and I, I, I think that's it. a fair thing to say. But yeah, too. you say, Hey, look, you you don't have the data points that these other teams have to get the buy. You're still gonna get right. in. And honestly, if you're Notre Dame, it, it's not that bad of a deal because nope. basically you're getting the worst of the you know the top four seeds in the second round. Right. The team that you should be ahead of, you're getting to play yes. in the next round. And Correct. there's a lot of merit to recruiting and, and different things and fans to have that home game. You get that home game in December. So, yeah, I, I, 
I'm okay so with it. Yeah, I wasn't you're at first, facing but off Vince, against the twelve. Vince brought me around. He you're facing me, off against the around. twelve, and then you're going to get the four, which you should have been higher right. than to begin with. So I, yeah, I, I kind of dig it, you know. So John yeah. Haynes says, now that signing day is over, was there ever a real shot at flipping Caleb Beasley? Is there a backstory? No, I mean, there's a real shot for a while. They just could never convince him to to not go to Tennessee. I mean, look, the kid visited Notre Dame, I think, once or at least once after he committed. I think actually twice. And it just got to the point where they might have still been able to flip him if they stuck with it, but I think they were just kind of comfortable with where they were, and they just moved on. Uh, He just he was going to be hard to flip after a while. But for a while there, there was a very – matter of fact, for a while there, I really thought they were going to flip him. But the in-state pool is was was too strong, and eventually Notre Dame was like, "We're going to spend our time elsewhere." Yeah, but yeah, there was a real shot. It would have been tough, but there was a real shot. But there, there's no backstory besides that. There's like nothing bad happened. They just were like, you know what, we're good with where we're at. And I think Carson Hobbs having a breakout senior year helped them with being more comfortable just with the two they had. I think that helped them a ton too. So yeah, they 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 moved on. And then uh, this will be the last one, Vince. All right. Oh, shoot. Where was it? Um, it was Matt, I think. Matt yeah. Griner. Griner. There you go. Ginther. Matt Ginther. It was a quick look. Uh, how big do you think the 25 class will be? Uh, I mean, there's so much it'll, it's going to go into those those that type of thing as far as portal additions, who leaves for the NFL. Right now, I would say my my as of where things are right now, I'd say it's about where this this class was about twenty three. There's some scenarios that could get it bigger, but I I think twenty three to twenty five right now is the number I'd probably look at for that class. What it feels like to me also is that if there's a guy out there that is a game changer, a gap closer, yeah. they're gonna bring him in regardless yeah. of what the number is. And then they'll fix it up down the road. Figure like they'll 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 figure yeah. it out exactly right. Yep. And because that's how Marcus Freeman wants to grow this team. He wants to grow this team from a recruiting standpoint. And then you can patch right. some holes with with some portal, and that's fine. But he right. wants to grow this thing from the bottom up. And so right. if they're like, no, we're going at twenty four kids, and then there's a kid that's like a gap closer, and he's like, yeah, we're going twenty five. Like, right. I, and then they just fix it down the road, and they figure it out from a roster standpoint. So right. I think you're going to see you know, that, that 20, well, it's just, that means there's just fifth year kids you don't bring back. I mean, right, it's easy exactly. to find those holes. It's oh, 100%. easy to figure out those things. Yeah. hundred percent. I just, I feel like Marcus Freeman, like you're, I don't think you're ever going to see a Marcus Freeman class in the teens anymore. Like I always think mm-hmm. it's going to be that 23, 24 in that neighborhood because they they recruit so freaking well now, you know what I mean? And they're going to, rec- like you said mm-hmm. earlier in the show, they're going to recruit kids because they deserve yeah. to be recruited. You know, and yeah. more kids are going to be saying yes to that. Yep. So it's exciting for me. I agree. You Why don't you go and take us out of here, man? Don't forget right. to remind people about the show you're about to go on. You know it. So uh, don't forget to hit that like button, that subscribe button, that notification bell. That you know, give us a five star review. Share with your family and friends. We have a Ivy Nation sports talk show here at five o'clock. So we're talking about eighteen minutes, give or take. So make sure you guys jump on over there take a break you know go get a sandwich uh you know hit the bathroom come on back we're gonna do a a 2023 year in review but a little bit differently than what brian and i did it's gonna be more some more big picture type stuff biggest surprise you know big you know things like that so we're gonna take an ivy nation sports talk uh spin on the 23 seasons we're gonna have some fun with that it'll be me 
and Jesse. And Sean is back from Pittsburgh after the women's big win yesterday. So come on and join us. And uh, so, yeah. And then next time the big show is on is Monday at the normal time. It's going to be a mailbag, I believe, with Ryan and Brian. I unfortunately have to go back to work or the other work. And uh, so I'll be doing that, but join the boys. They'll be doing a, a mailbag on Monday. So come up with your questions over the weekend and hit them on Monday. Brian, anything else you got? All right. So that's going to do it. So for Brian, I'm Vince, and we will talk to you next time on the Irish Breakdown Podcast.